0: Well, good morning, uh, church and friends. Uh, My name is Austin, and I am one of the pastors here. And as Mark said earlier, we have been sitting in one book the entire time, and we've been sitting in the book of Philippians, and we've really wanted to understand uh, a deeper um, not only knowledge in our head, but a way to live out joy. Um, but uh, one of the things that I know uh, most joyful about this place is the people. And so the way that we want you to also understand and get to know the people that bring much joy uh, to my life and to our staff and to, I know, to you, is we will invite you over the next five minutes to get to know one another. And for some of you, that's a little scary, but we offer some, um, you know, um, little treats that kind of get you into... Uh, a space with other people, And so in the back we have coffee and water and uh, some donuts and snacks. And so we invite you to go and talk and ask this question. And so this question this morning is um, a little fun one. And so this gets you to know about what song do you know every word to? What's your karaoke go-to? And if you want to sing a couple bars, that is encouraged as well. So spend the next five minutes and we'll hear what you got to say. Friends, if you want to come back... Thank you so much for your uh, your time this morning and your um, and your songs of choice. I expect to be uh, hearing a lot of your uh, songs in the shower and you know songs when nobody's looking. Um, but um, as you come back, uh, we've been sitting in Philippians. And, and talking about joy, but particularly this morning um, we 're going to talk about a theme um, that Paul puts in there and it 's an iconic um, text that he often gives us it 's talking about what he strives for and striving is talking about this um, condition between two things looking forward and looking backwards and I uh, resonated this uh, with this. Um, uniquely, if you come and you get really close to me if you 're like if you 've ever watched um, seinfeld if you 're a close talker, come talk close to me, and what you 'll find um, is I have an abnormal like two like little crowns on the front of my head because uh, of repeated bashings uh, of my skull into hard things. And I remember the one of the first particular times is my grandmother who um, was staying with us because of health reasons. Um, we had like a little playful banter back and forth and a playful uh, relationship. And so I would do some things and she would do some things. And I remember this one time that I was going into her room and I was taking one of these, uh, I think it was like a shoe that she wanted to wear before we were going. And I thought, I it was really funny, and so I grabbed the shoe, and I ran out of the room, and we had two, like, little wings where, like, my mom in the guest room was on one side, and my room was on the other, and so I was trying to get from her room to my room to lock the door, be in my space space, but you have to go through the kitchen, and I remember running through, and my elderly grandmother, I don't know why, have you ever thought this, like, they run, like, whenever you're being chased, you feel like people run faster than you, but you're like, I have an 88-year-old grandmother, she shouldn't move that fast, but I was booking it, and I remember like hearing her um, talking in the background. And I remember looking back to see where she was. Um, and right, and especially when you're in familiar places, you feel like you know the layout. So I look back, I make a turn and a cut, but I don't make it where I should. I turn back around and at this time, I am at the height right there of the counter. I turn around and boom, forehead to the corner of uh, the countertop and I lay myself out. Like, I am on the floor, still holding on to the shoe. And then I get up, and I'm like, oh, and blood is just, like, everywhere, right? Like, not only is my mom probably concerned about, like, the blood, but she's like, I probably just cleaned this floor, and now I have to clean it again, right? Classic parents, like, you always got to clean up. But I remember this moment. I was like, man, what would have happened if I didn't look backwards? And I mean, I've hit poles, goalposts playing soccer, because I'm not looking where I'm going, but I am looking backwards. And I just thought as I, as I, you know thought about about all those instances, I thought, how um, fitting is it, that as we talked this morning about um, Paul saying this, that we're called not to look backwards, but to look forward as disciples, and how much in our life, even when we're teaching kids how to ride bikes or do things, that we always are telling them to look forward and not look back, and so this morning, this is what we're going to talk about, our whole big idea is that joy calls us, says to us, don't look back, don't go backwards, go forwards. And so this morning I want us to dig in, so if you want to join me in looking at Philippians chapter 3, um, we're going to, um, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 through 16, so if you have your Bible in front of you, I'd love for you to grab it and to look at it as well with me, and it says this, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take a hold of it, but I, but one thing I do. One thing I do. Hear that. One thing that Paul does. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Uh, Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, there are many of us that are sitting here today, um, and we can think of what has brought us to this moment. And God, um, there are some things that you have called us to look backward, to grow from, but God, there is also a call to look ahead so not people who look behind, but look ahead. And so God, for all of us here, whatever bring us to this place, God, I pray that we will sit in the presence of your Holy Spirit because we only want you. In all of what happens this morning, God, if we miss you, we've missed everything. So God, would you send your Holy Spirit in the midst of our uh, this space and this place within us and around us so that we might know you, we might find you, we might follow you. We ask this in your name. Amen. The theme of looking backwards is not just a new thing that Paul all of a sudden comes up with. Because right, you know, sometimes when people come up with a phrase and like you get that attributed to, this is not something that we just attribute to Paul. This is actually a a, a bad um situation to do, a bad lifestyle to have of people looking back. And you've seen it a couple of times in, in the Bible, and so maybe I was thinking about where in those places have we looked back, or the people of God have looked back, and actually um, it's been a mistake, right? Remember Lot's wife? As they're leaving, they say, don't look back. When you're leaving, just look ahead, don't look back, or you'll be turned into what? salt. And what does she do? Oh my gosh, right? You had one job. Hike out and don't look back. You had one job and you look back. Right? The people of God are in slavery in Egypt, and all of a sudden God brings them out, parts the Red Sea, they go in, they go into the mountain, He says, You are my people, I am your God, and then all of a sudden, what do they do? Man, I wish I was back in Egypt. Right? They were like, man, I saw that sea part. I see the cloud. I've seen Moses come down in a brilliant light. But man, I would really like to go back there. Right? So much so that Moses is like, I'm so mad at people. He breaks the first set of commandments. If you didn't know that today, there was two sets. He broke the first one. Oh my goodness. Maybe you're now life is transformed. But he got so frustrated at the people looking back. And actually, that's Israel every time. Israel, when you see uh, in the book of Isaiah, he's like, don't look back anymore. Look forward. You are always looking back at what the people around you or behind you are doing instead of looking forward. And they always fall into this place of their looking back drifts them away from God. And then even in Jesus talks about this, when he talks about the cost of following him, right? He's collected his disciples. He said, come and follow me. And they've followed him. They've left everything, fishing nets, jobs, and they followed him. And then as this um, has been picked up in discipleship, as more people are gathering around him, we meet Jesus talking to would-be disciples. And this is why it's not only um, in um, the Old Testament, but all the New Testament. I want you to look at Luke 9 with me real quick. And we're going to see how this connects with the Philippians passage. It works incredibly well. He says this, this is Jesus talking to people who want to be disciples of him. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. All good things that we think would be reasonable, and Jesus is just being irrational and unreasonable. He says this, how fitting is it for us if we put this into our own life? No one who puts, no one or no, like we say, disciple who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That is incredible because that, those two places where Paul says, I take hold, right? In Philippians he goes, I take hold of what God has for me is the same like plow analogy that Jesus used back here. That he says no one who is, takes hold of the plow and looks back is fit. For the service of the kingdom of God. And he's saying, even in Philippians, he's reminding the Philippians of what Jesus says. In the same way Jesus said that to the disciples, I'm saying to you that no one is fit. Don't look backwards, go forward. And how important is that? I mean, how many of us have taught kids how to ride a bike? And what is the one way that they get injured the most? This is my son Stephen. He's running and he's having a good time, right? And he's falling behind me, and he's like trying to go faster than I'm trying to follow him, and all of a sudden he looks back, and what happens? Like the wobble, right? Right? And sometimes he collects himself, depending on how long. But the longer he looks back, the more the wobble goes. Right? And then boom. Think about that for a second. In just a kid learning to ride a bike, and the metaphor of looking back causes a wobble, a distraction. And when you're distracted and you fall. It's not just like, oh, I just wobbled. But sometimes you fall down and there's damage done to you because you're looking back. There's damage done to the people of God because they looked back so often. There's damage to lot. There was damage to people who looked back and said, I want what I used to have. Or I'm looking back and seeing. And so the question I pose to you is, why do we look back? Like, what is the propensity in us to always look back? And like I said, it, like, not all looking back is terrible. We look back at the mistakes that we made and we learn from them. But that's not always what the people of Israel do. That's not always what disciples do. It's that so many times often that we are looking back, and I think it surrenders down to, uh, or comes down to these two things that we look back. Sometimes we look back because of the same that is associated with our story. Right? We look back at where we were and we're saying, how in the world could a God who says, I love you, I forgive you, I'm faithful to you, could ever take of what's been back and love me right now? Like, how could God love a someone who has lived, who has fear of their past, regret in their past? Like, we are sitting here, reminder of people who sit in shame and in sin, and we allow that story or that narrative that the evil one pushes on you to get you to continue to look back and say, hey, I understand who you are now, but look back. Do you even remember who you were? Dang. How could you be loved? How could you be accepted? How could you be worthy of the grace and the mercy that is offered to you? Look back. And when we look back, and we look back and stare too far behind into us, into our lives, into the stories, we start to get off track. We start to get distracted and we start to move further and further and further away. Right? How much in our distracted drivings? Now we're not like creaming and hitting people, but when we get distracted and we look too much in the rear view mirror, we start to drift. Thank the Lord for like lane keeping systems because I would be all over the road. Right? I don't know how people did it back in the 50s, like kept in their lane, but they were probably less distracted. Maybe we should learn something from an older generation. By like looking backwards, right? Unless you are mater from cars and you are the best backwards driver, please do not look in the rearview mirror all the time. Don't stare in it. When you get lost in the shame and the sin of your story in the past, you do that, you get lost. You get distracted. You get veered off of course, right? So it's not only that, but sometimes I also think it's not just the shame and the negative stuff that is our story, the reason we look back. But I've heard this a lot from, from uh, people and disciples and churches in general is that we look back in missing the glory days. Oh, remember that season of life was really good. Remember, like, when our church was really doing that? That's when God was really working. Remember in my life when I was growing and I was in this place? Like, I really want to go back there. Is that we not only, like, sit there under our sin and our shame, but we look and hold on to the glory days of past. And that even when we look about things that had that happened in the past and our desire to go back to it, it's a rejection of who God is now in your life. That God isn't just a God of our past, but he's a God of your present and in your future. And so I understand that we live in a history, even here at Pine Lake, 40 years of God doing incredible things. But we can't get distracted to things of, man, what used to be like this, let's go back to the way it was, because things have changed. God has moved forward. We have moved forward. And we are called not to look back and just hold on to the good times of the past, even in your relationship with God, but to stay in the presence and look forward. This is the call of Christ in your life. And so if we get distracted as disciples when we look backwards, Paul says, then the the, the solution to that. The solution to not getting lost and distracted and off course is that the journey of discipleship is a one-way journey. Forward. Forward. Always forward. Like you think about that, and maybe, maybe none of you have ever plowed a field. But when you're plowing a field, you're not looking behind you Because you'll get off course and you'll ruin the entire field. Nor are you just looking right down at where you are right here because then you'll continue to go forward and you won't know when you need to turn around. Jesus says when you take hold of that plow, you look forward, you aim for what is ahead. The prize at the end of the road. The place where you need to see Jesus so that when he turns left or right in your life, you turn left or right with him you don't outpace Jesus. You don't fall behind. You stay with him and you allow him to be in front to lead you. We're disciples who look forward. Because looking in the back, looking into the backwards, we always ask this question. What happened? What's past? Why, God, did you do this? Why didn't you do this? It's a story of people of Israel. God, why? Why did you do this? Why did you leave this? Why didn't you show up in this way? Why didn't you do this? Discipleship and disciples who look forward ask what's next. I want to be a church that doesn't say like, I don't want to just discard the past. I want to learn from it. I want to know that it has brought me to the place here, but I want to look forward and say, what's next in my life? What does God have next for me? What does God have next for Pine Lake? What does God have next for you? And help you and walk alongside of you as we find and follow Jesus together so that we might grow in what is next for you. That if you're still here, God isn't done with you. God's saying, like, your story, the the past isn't the glory days. What has gone past is not, like, the best thing. That there is still good things. That if you believe God is good, He is both good in the past and in the present and in your future. That you don't get to a certain age or stage where God says, I'm actually now done with you. And so, yeah, look back. I don't have anything more. So just ride off into the sunset. God has something for you, the prize that you attain. And so when we talk about what is going forward, I think about this. That if the disciples, in looking backwards and saying, man, I just wanted it the way it was. I mean, what if their question was, if we could just have Jesus back, that would be so much better. If Jesus could have just like died on the cross for our sins, resurrected and just stuck around for the next 30, 40 years, That we die, that'd be great. But when they hold on to the past, they have yet to receive and accept an invitation into all that God has left for them. That God goes away and then all of a sudden when they're left and they're saying, what's next? The disciples, even in their, like, frustration, even in their, like, their fear, they said, what is next? And then what happens when they are disciples who look forward and not looking back? Pentecost. The birth of the church. The movement of the kingdom exploding. The physical presence of the Holy Spirit laying on people. Able to speak in tongues that they have never spoken again. So that others might hear the good news of the gospel in their own language so that they might find and follow Jesus. That they too may be disciples who understand what they have been in the past and now what they are going forward. That if the disciples just relied on Jesus who said in the house, and like Jesus, can you just sit here and can you eat with us? Can you continue just to like be our best friend? They would miss the birth of the church. And if they missed the birth of the church, They miss the Gentiles being invited into a seat at the table, into the family of God, and you and I are no longer welcomed. You can talk about this all hypothetical, but the church is saying that his disciples, even Jesus training his own disciples is, come and follow me. Leave your past behind you. Your fisher, your your you know your job as a fisherman, your company, your tax collecting. Leave that all behind and now go forward. And that the defining principle of the disciples of Jesus is that they are moving forward in all places. They move forward with Jesus as is present, and they move forward with the Holy Spirit as it came and descended upon them and in all people. And we go forward as the Holy Spirit descends and remains and lives in you. And so church, what's the prize that, P, that, that Paul talks about? You hear it all the time, but I want to remind us We sometimes get so off track. And again, a reminder. Hey, focus down the road. Focus at what's ahead. What's the prize? What is Paul striving after when he looks forward? It's this. It's the end of Matthew. It's one of Jesus' last words to his disciples. This is your job. And then Jesus came and he said, he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. The prize at which they held on to, the one they moved forward, was the mission and vision of God. The great commandment to go forth from that moment, not walking back to being fishermen, tax collectors. Whatever they were before, but to strive for it ahead with their sole purpose that people might find and follow Jesus, might become disciples as they became disciples. And deeper disciples. As they gathered together as the church, as they grew with one another, they kept their eyes focused on what is next. What is next? And so I think about it for us as a church. That we as a body of believers need to flip the script in our lives. That if we're going to look, if we're not going to no longer look back, what does that look like for us? And some of you like, you're pragmatic people and you're like, finally, let me, g- give me some like words, give me some, something that I can go away from here and actually start doing. It's like, I think both of it is both knowledge and then action. That you need both of them in the way that you live and the way you think. And so maybe it's this, is that you flip the script of from what God has done in your life in the past to what he has yet to do. And your question is, God, look what you used to do. And you ask the question, God, what are you about to do? Maybe you move from the, I was no longer outside of the family of God, but now I've been accepted into the family of God. That I'm no longer um, on, on shaky ground, on a foundation that's shaky, depending on if I can do enough to stay into the family of God to earn my place. But He says, no, you always have a sure foundation. You are my son and daughter, and that will never change. Come, be a part of the family. Maybe you flip the script and that you go all in on this discipleship and saying, I liked certain things in the past, but now I'm all in. And so in my discipleship, I'm asking, how is my discipleship going deep and going wide? As a church, what if we were all in on this and said, I find out what's next, and what's next is actually better than what's behind me. I love C.S. Lewis's quote. He says this, and he says this, and I wrote it down. And I love it. He goes, there are far better things ahead than any of those that we leave behind. What if you said, the way that I've grown as a disciple pales in comparison to what yet is in front of me. What if you haven't reached the pinnacle of your growth as a disciple, but yet there's still growth to come? Maybe you say like, my effectiveness because I was young, I was relevant, I was well-read. But he says, I'm actually still going to be used as an instrument of God's glory in witness in my neighborhood, in my friends, in my workplace, to the stranger, to my children, to my parents. What if we went from saying, God, I have fear of the past, that I hold on so much, but I have such hope for tomorrow? What if we live fully into the joy that there's actually hope for tomorrow? That we don't dread waking up because the best is behind us. Right, I think of some like students in the room, especially some seniors. The best is yet to come. High school wasn't, talk to anybody here, the high school wasn't the pinnacle of your experience. School wise, friend wise, meaning and purpose. Teenage years were terrible. Twenties were better. Thirties are awesome. I don't yet believe forties are going to be better, but I'm holding on to that. I'm looking in the past and looking at my thirties and I'm like, <laughs> but I do believe. Like this is where I stand. Oh my. This is where the rubber meets the road. Do you actually really believe that what is ahead of you is actually better than what's behind you? That whatever decade or whatever experience that you had was the pinnacle of your life and then you're going to look back and be like, hey, remember that? You go to all the parties and be like, man, when I was in my 20s or 30s, this is what I did. That story gets old. Until you are meeting with your friends in our church and saying, hey, guess what happened this week? Guess what happened tomorrow? Guess what's happening tomorrow? What's happening the next day? Church, maybe even, I'm going to say something that might be terrible. I'm just going to say it because I've heard it a lot. Maybe we be worried less about who's still here, but who's yet to be here. What if we got really uncomfortable and looked ahead at what God has for us? What if we believed that our discipleship and our love and knowledge and experience of Christ is deeper and wider tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year than that we've ever experienced? What if you shifted that mindset? I wonder what God would do in and through you. Friends, our joy is found in our desire to look for what's ahead and what's next. I truly believe, honestly, the best days are ahead of us. You don't want to know why? Because the best days, the best day has yet to arrive. That day when we meet Jesus face to face. It'll be the best day you've ever experienced in your life. But I believe that's not just a future day that I hold on to and live through this as a kind of day. I believe that God's goodness, his kingdom come, is not only near, but it is here. It's not all coming, but it's arrived. How in your disciples should we flip the script? Flip the script, my friends. Your best days are ahead of you. Your best days of knowing Jesus are ahead of you. Your best days of being used by God so that others might find and follow Jesus are ahead of you, not behind you. Flip the script. Look forward. Stop looking back. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask this one thing. I ask that you would allow the Holy Spirit right now to bring up into us the places that we are still worried about. Maybe it's sin and shame that we can't shake. Maybe it's sin that we still feel bonded to, but God, you are here to set us free. God, that the moment in our lives right now isn't the last chapter being written in our story, but a new chapter is about to begin. God, maybe there's something that some of us need to let go of. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Bring that to us. Minister to us. Say, let go. And follow me. God, we ask this in your name. Amen.